Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this week's episode, I was delighted to be joined by Deborah Benson as we chatted about women as the world's natural leaders. So this is a great conversation in leadership and Deborah's done a lot of work when it comes to this as well as her own experience of working in industry, of being a leader, of being a leader within a predominantly male environment. She then went on to do her PhD in business leadership and she's just got so much knowledge and so much wisdom when it comes to this and gives just some perfect examples that really stand out to prove the point, I think, that women are the best leaders in the world and therefore this was such a good conversation and I hope that you enjoy it. Deborah, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me, real pleasure. Uh-huh. Tell us a bit about you. A bit about myself. Well, I'm going to say how long have you got, so I'm going to give you the posted version, otherwise yes. we'd be here all day talking about what I've done. You can see the grey hair for those of you who um, are on radio, <laughs> but I do have grey hair, so I've done a lot. Um, I started off my career in sales and marketing London, moved up to Scotland, and I've stayed in Scotland over 20 years. I love Scotland have every intention to stay here. And after doing an MBA, I got a job as a director at the Miller Group, which is a big Scottish construction company. And I joined as a sales and marketing director. But much to my amazement, after about three years, when I was only in my mid-30s, they made me a managing director. So I found myself as a woman leading a big team in a multi-million pound organisation, responsible for huge turnover, And fundamentally, running a team of men, Mm -hmm. one woman in the team apart from myself, and also people who were real experts in their fields. They were architects. They were engineers. So I had this really interesting leadership experience, and that got me really switched on to leadership. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was really exciting and a real phenomenon in its own right. So it was a really incredible experience. So that got me into leadership. And many years later, I went back to university, not quite the oldest person on campus, I hasten to add. And I did a doctorate in business, but I focused very much on leadership. So that's what I'd love to chat to you about today, if we could. Oh, great, great. Don't preempt me yet. I need to ask you the question first, Deborah. (laughs) Tell me, what do you know for sure? Well, what I know for sure is that Women are the world's natural leaders. Yes. There's a nice contentious one for you. Oh, I I really, I do agree. Of course, I agree. So tell me, how do you know that? A couple of things, really. I was writing a course recently for the Institute of Directors and the University of Suffolk for women in leadership. And I was a little bit kind of, wow, do we still need that in this day and age? So I wrote the course and had an amazing response to the women who came on the course. And I realised that Leadership for women is a very different experience for men. And, you know, we can talk about all the biases and the prejudice over many, many, many centuries. But it was really amazing to engage with these groups of women talking about their experiences and helping them to think through leadership. Yeah. Part of that was I did a whole lot of searching. So I had a look at what was available online, what sort of academic journals were saying about women and leadership and all of that kind of stuff. And one of the things I did was I Googled top 10 world leaders, uh-huh. see what I got. Yeah. And guess what? They were popped up as men. Yeah. <laughs> now, there are lots of different lists. It depends which list you find. 
Much to my horror, Adolf Hitler was listed at number four. Oh, my God. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, where do you even go with that? I nearly fell off my perch. I thought Adolf Hitler as an example of good leadership, seriously. And they did say something in the narrative that obviously some of the outcomes of his leadership were not that great. Yeah. And it just blew my mind. And that got me thinking, why are all the top 10 leaders men? Mm hmm. So I start looking at different polls and I went for inspirational leaders. And guess what? Women started popping up like Mother Teresa. Mm -hmm. You know, suddenly women came into the list. And it, that led me on to thinking, we kind of frame leadership around men and how they lead, because that's what we've seen for centuries in so many countries. Yeah. Uh -huh. And what if that's kind of wrong? Mm -hmm. I really resonate with all of that. I think, you know, when there's there's women leaders, I continually hear it. Obviously, we live in Scotland where we hear the First Minister speak, we hear people have opinions on her. So much of it, I think, is steeped in misogyny. When people mm -hmm. are talking about women leaders, it's not just about how they lead, it's about the fact they're a woman is why they are ultimately being criticised a lot of the time, I think. And that is like you know nationally but also in the micro and the organizations I work with and things like that I wish that weren't true but I absolutely agree with you mm. you know some of the things I read about Nicola Sturgeon especially on social media are just misogynistic bullying yeah. you know there's no other way of referring to it and the things they say about her look she's not a bad looking woman she's mm. a leader she's not meant to be a beauty queen exactly but mm. the things they say about her and the jokes online I think are, are very distasteful and they don't do that in the same way to the male leaders. Not at all. Not at all. And even Sorry. when at recording this in August 22, the Tories in London and Westminster are choosing a new leader. And well, I, I deplore Tories and I, I don't think either one is better than the other and I think they're both awful. I think a lot of what is said about Liz Truss is very misogynistic. And that uh, makes yeah. me feel uncomfortable. Even as someone who deplores Tories... I feel uncomfortable with some of the things that are being aimed at that woman. I find it difficult That's, to listen to. Again, I, I have to agree with you. And like you, there's lots about Liz Trust that I don't like. I think mm -hmm. her economic policy concerns me greatly. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, and how does she think she's going to pay for anything if she reduces tax and national insurance, etc. Yeah. That really is not going to help people who are most disadvantaged in our society. So there's lots of things I don't like about what she thinks and, and believes in. Yeah. But I agree with you. I don't like some of the rhetoric about her and the way she's criticised and what she's criticised for. Yeah. It seems very unfair, as if somehow we're getting more politically correct about racism, but we're still pretty bad when it comes to gender and misogyny. It still yeah. seems to be out there. What about the, um, the leader of Finland just now? She's getting a lot of a backlash, isn't she, because she's young and she goes out with her friends and has fun over a weekend. Have you guys Yeah, I've I've seen all that and I think I think it's amazing. First of all, it was a private party. She wasn't out in some public nightclub booging the night away. Yeah. Secondly, she's a young woman. She's entitled to have a social life. People are much more rounded and balanced if they've got a good social life, if yeah. they know how to have fun. It helps them to understand other people. So the fact that video was posted in the first place, I think, is appalling. Yeah. But, of course, the criticism has been, I, I would argue, very misogynist. But what I love about that is the real backlash has been lots of professional women. I've seen a lot of this on LinkedIn, for example, 
posting pictures of themselves dancing uh-huh. and saying, you know, I'm the chief executive of that. I'm the managing director of this. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a scientist. So guess what? I dance too. Yeah. So uh-huh. I think that sort of real negative assault on her has actually done the exact opposite and empowered her further because women have just rallied around and said, we have to stand up to this nonsense. It's not fair. Uh-huh. Because you, you have got the notion if that was a young male and he happened to be in a gentleman's club uh, with a group of men standing, laughing and drinking, probably, you know, not necessarily being doing anything worse or better. It wouldn't have even been noticed. It's because she's a woman, isn't it? I think you're right. I'm sad that I do think that, but I agree with you, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, I mean, I've often reflected on, because of the, the work I do in the third sector, that leadership isn't necessarily a, a rank, that there's some people you meet and you think, oh, you're a leader of the future. Do you do you get that, that leaders are maybe born leaders? Does that, you know, in all your studies, everything you've done, do you get that leadership yeah. can just be a trait that some people just have? Yeah, you can't be born to be a leader, but definitely some people have innate traits that make Mm -hmm. it easier for them to be a good leader. Mm -hmm. And equally, you can't take someone with, for example, no emotional intelligence and completely turn around their behavior so they become a fantastic leader. You can help them to be a better leader. So there's this real nature nurture that goes on. Mm -hmm. I think one of the problems for me is for centuries, women have been told they're not leaders, Mm. that it's a man's role. And, you know, that sort of creates the way men think about leadership, but it also affects the way women think about leadership. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing my doctorate, I did tons and tons of interviews. I interviewed, you know, people who'd run half the serving armed forces, people who ran huge investment banks. I interviewed people who worked in charities, people who worked on checkout tills. I went right through all sort of levels in different industries and different sectors. I didn't interview a man, whatever age or pay grade he was at, who didn't answer the question, are you a leader, with, yes, absolutely, I'm a leader. Yeah. Whereas I asked women if they were leaders, and quite often they said, oh, no, no, I wouldn't want to be a leader. Mm. And I'd say, are you a mother? Oh, yes. Well, find me a better leader than a mother. Yeah. You know, and I asked them, what do you do when someone new joins your department? And they said, oh, well, I show them how to do the job, and I show them where the cafeteria is, and I show them where the loos are. If that isn't being a leader, I don't know what is. You know, it's about supporting people, helping them to good outcomes. So it's all this stuff around leadership being about aggression, dominance, assertiveness. And actually in nature, it isn't about that. And here's something for you. All right. All the alpha male stuff is an absolute load of tosh. Mm. Yes, they're alpha males. We've all met them. Yeah. And some of them are amazingly fantastic people. (laughs) But when you look at socially dwelling animals, Almost every species that moves in social groups like herds, packs of dogs, whatever, is led by the matriarch. It's an older female. Mm-hmm. And they're followed because the others trust them to lead to good outcomes. Yes. So like, you know, the alpha mare might lead to a new pasture that's full of beautiful grass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just want to tell you a quick story on this thing because it is fascinating. One of the guys I interviewed was a, a university professor in Australia. Yep. And he worked, researched horses in the outback of Australia. And to research the herd, he had to track them. So slightly controversially, he they darted the alpha mare in a herd. And while she was unconscious on the ground, they put a tracer collar on her mm-hmm. so that they could follow the herd. So he told me that when the alpha mare 
the matriarch was on the deck. The herd wouldn't leave her. They were milling around in the scrub where the guys were working yeah. and whinnying and calling for her and distressed. When she came round, she walked off and they all fell in line behind her and followed her quietly off. Mm-hmm. They did the same thing to the stallion. They darted the stallion, put a tracer collar on him. While he was on the ground, the herd left him. When he came round, of course, he was panicking. He was screaming for the herd. He galloped off and a few hours later, he, he caught up with the herd, by which time one of the younger colts, one of the younger male horses had taken over his role. Wow. Uh, isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. I mean, I was like, wow. And see that so, ex- that experience that you've got from working in a construction company. So, like, well, I, I would imagine, yeah, you said just you and one other woman. So, like, 99.9% men, probably. Do you think that the experience of sitting around that table and being a leader in that organisation changed when or if you ever became a leader within a table where there were women around the table? Oh, that's a really interesting question. So, first of all, I had a brilliant time in the construction industry. There were lots of other women in the company, smaller numbers than men, definitely. It was when you went up to leadership. Yeah. There were very few. I I was their first ever female director. Mm -hmm. And allegedly, I was the first woman to run a major property development company in the UK. Right. Don't know if that's true. How do you prove it? But that's what I was Uh told. So it was a really amazing experience. But the guys I worked with were fantastic. Right. I didn't have that. There's one or two who are a little bit chauvinist and made silly comments like she's not here to take the minutes in the meeting and that sort of thing. But, you know, you can deal with that. But I had to be quite tough. Yeah. You know, people have described me in those days as being formidable, which is a bit scary, I think. Mm. A few years ago, I joined the board of Edinburgh Women's Aid. I've been a non-exec for over 20 years as well. And I realised very quickly I had to kind of tone down. So, So I'm sitting on this board, only women, because it's a protected area. So the, the boards are female only. And I realised very quickly that I had to kind of tone down my assertiveness. Mm. I had to be much more collaborative. Mm-hmm. Now, I would have said all my way, all my years in the construction industry that my leadership was by consensus. It was collaborative. I was supportive, all of those good things. But when I sat on a women-only board, I really had to think about how I came across. Ah, I had to be softer, I had to be kinder, I had to listen more. So there was a difference. There really was a difference between being on a mixed board with lots of men, mm-hmm. particularly in a very male industry, yeah. and being on a women-only board. Really and, different. You know, the reason that I actually was prompted to ask that question is because I, I don't know if you'll remember that Michelle Obama spoke in Edinburgh in 2018. And and I was at that. And I remember what my takeaway from that was her talking about how the conversation changes when women are around the table and also about stepping into that place of power when you want to speak. Because men have been raised in a world where they believe that they have the right to speak and what they say is true. And every other man listening to them also believes that they have the right to speak and that if you're saying it to me, Mr Chairman, then it must be true and therefore I need to believe you. Whereas women will sit and think, oh, I'm not sure, should I speak or should I not speak? Should I speak or should I not speak? And so certainly I I work in the third sector and I am forever encouraging the young women that I mentor to move up 
to join boards, to be part of the conversation, because I believe the conversation changes when women are involved in it. Obviously, I don't know what the conversation was like before women were involved in it, because I'm there. But I think it's interesting to know, like, as organisations become more equal in terms of men and women, will we see a marked change in society, you know, because we bring something different to the table? Does that make sense, Deborah? It makes it makes absolute sense. And more to the point, there's lots of research beginning to reinforce what you're saying. Uh-huh. So just the sort of things I've looked at recently, um, you need at least three me- three women on a board to really make a change. Yeah. One or two can't have enough impact. So the first thing is at least three women. Uh-huh. But what they have found is that where they have more women in senior leadership positions, particularly in the top management team, yeah. companies are more profitable. Mm. They're more socially responsive. They have higher and sorry, safer and higher quality customer experiences. Yeah. They're more open to change, mm-hmm. but they're more wary of taking unnecessary risks. And this mm-hmm. one I love because it plays back to the stallions and the mayors. They have a shift of focus from mergers and acquisitions which is about buying knowledge, yeah. to knowledge building, which is about growth and development. Isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. So when you think about what mayors do, you know, they grow organically. What do stallions do? They rock up and steal from another herd. Yeah. Okay. So really fascinating. Uh-huh. And it's a real call to action, I think, to women, isn't it? I'm on the board of Children First Charity, obviously, in Scotland. Oh, it's a great charity. And... We have actually, in September, so in just a month's time, our current chair steps down, his time has has come to an end, and it will be replaced by a woman chair. And being relatively new, I've been on the board for three years, but it's the first board I've been on. I'm so excited to see how does that change. And that's not any criticism at anybody at all. It's just to see how different will it be. And actually, we've got more women on the board now than we do men. And won't that be interesting to actually be able to witness that in my own life? It will be absolutely fascinating. Uh-huh. And what we don't know, I'm, I'm not saying women are better than men as leaders. I'm saying they're different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a massive generalisation because, of course, one of the things we know about human gender is it's not binary. It's not absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely female, absolutely male. It's much more grey than that. And we also know that unlike animals, which do tend to be much more gendered in their behaviours, humans don't. You know, you can get men who have very strong feminine traits, mm-hmm. women who are excessively assertive and dominant, etc. So there's a bit of overlap. Yeah. Um, but I think you will see a difference. Mm-hmm. For myself, going from what was a very male-dominated environment to a very female-dominated environment, I saw a huge difference. And what I did find was there were less egos with the women. Yeah. Nobody was trying to dominate. Everyone was just trying to find the best outcomes. Yeah. Whereas with the men, there's dominance going on. And even when we look at our families, you know, my my mum, who passed away many, many, over 30 years ago, uh, she was the matriarch of her family. She was the oldest of Mm -hmm. her family of 10. And when she was gone, that family, so I don't mean my family, I mean her siblings, you know, that completely fell apart. You know, they all fell out of each other and everything. You know, it was just it just chaos fell. That wouldn't have happened had my mum been here, I don't think. But equally, I've got two sisters, 
so my mum died when I was 13. So my sisters were very, they're nine and 10 years older. They were very much a part of my upbringing. And I feel as if I live in a matriarch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because really all of my confidants, all of the people I would go to for advice are women. And that would always be who I would think would give me the best guidance, the best advice, the best viewpoint. And then I think I'm actually maybe missing something because I'm not letting men in. But I'm quite happy with just having women. But matriarch is very important to me, I think. It's like really that? interesting you said that. I read a beautiful book on deer, deer herds. Mm-hmm. And when people go shooting deer, culling deer, they nearly always shoot the old ones. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems with that is they often shoot the matriarch. And when they do, the herd falls apart. So exactly what you experience happens a lot in nature as well. Mm. The matriarchs are almost like the glue that hold families together. Mm, And if there isn't the next matriarch in line in position to step up and fulfill that role, families can really pull in different directions. It could be really heartbreaking to see. Yeah, and it's it's even heartbreaking to think about, you know, because I've been I've been writing a lot recently and that's that sort of I came up in some of what I've been writing that that family are still very fractured and we're talking like thirty four years later. It's honestly that's so so common. Mm. But you know, even the mafia respect their grandmothers. Yeah. You know, it's Mm -hmm. the matriarch is very powerful and if we crush that whole matriarchal strength we damage society big time exactly exactly and i don't i i'm not a fan of women only boards mm-hmm. I and mean, even when i sat on on women's aid and i sit on rape crisis at the moment in glasgow i would still like to see some men around the table yeah because they add a different voice and i think the real thing is cognitive diversity you need to think people who think differently mm-hmm. who've got different lived experiences perhaps different racial backgrounds, you know, different ages, all of that, the better the mix you get, sometimes the harder the board or the team is to run, but generally the better the outcomes because you get all that diversity of thought. Fascinating, fascinating stuff that you're doing, Deborah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing it with me. I hope you enjoyed it. I could talk to you for hours about leadership. It's so important and so fascinating. Oh, thank you so much, Deborah. Thank you. Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching and Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, anhughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.